Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, February 21st. This is episode number 186. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going up by you? Hey, Rod, going good. Happy Fat Tuesday. Ah, thanks. I really haven't celebrated much. How about you? Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, tonight being a little extra naughty. Yeah, can't wait for that. <laughs> well, to, to help us be a little extra naughty, we're going to bring our guest in. Um, you can follow him at BrownsFreak51. Chris, how are things going? Doing well, doing well, gentlemen. Uh, barricaded out here, getting ready for uh, monsoon season. We're supposed to get five or six days of wind and rain, so been a tough winter. You know, you're in you're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in Riverside County. Uh, I got a sister in Oceanside. She's about 60 miles from me. And uh, it gets hotter than hell here in the, in the summer, uh, but it's it's not a bad winter. This winter has been a little tough, but usually you don't get days that are under 55 degrees where I'm at, so it's not too bad. Not too much to complain about, huh? Nah, no. Nah. Just a lot. Of, I, think it's, I think the winter has been tough. Throughout the country, everywhere's hitting it. So. Um, yeah, I would say. I mean, you know, in in Ohio, we get a little bit of everything, but it's not been. Um, I don't know, Jeff. It's been a lot less snow than usual so far, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I mean, February we've had almost none. Yeah, and we don't want to act like we're like we're done or anything, because then we'll really get socked. Oh yeah, really. We don't want to be That's for sure. <laughs> the way it's the way it's trending in northeast Ohio is this is going to be one of our least snowy winters in many many years. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about you, we're we're supposed to have another day. Um, we're supposed to hit seventy again, I think, on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, yeah. So we're yeah, using these seventy degree here. days up. Right. That means yeah. we won't get any in June and July. <laughs> and we'll go straight to the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like Cleveland's got got a pretty easy winter this this year for the most part. So far, can't complain. Yeah. So far, yeah. We'll see what happens the last three months of winter. Yeah. Keep the fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first first three months of winter weren't bad. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was a kid, man. You could you, you sometimes you wouldn't see green grass till middle of April or May. You know, just right. Yeah. You know, I, I believe in the climate change. I, I'm a big believer. I mean, I've, I've seen it. Uh, yeah. It seems to be happening. I've, I've said it many times. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of pollution, but I'm a big fan of global warming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. I have issues with cold. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, guys, let's, uh, let's move on to our Blitz beverages. Let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. Chris, you're the guest. You get to go first. Let's let's uh, let's hear about what you have in front of you there. Well, just a nice, easy Guinness extra stout. I mean, I like. Uh, I'm not a big beer drinker, but when I drink beer, I like. I, I tend to like the darker beers. And uh, I mean, growing up, I was you know I drink Budweisers like crazy, but now it's just. I went from beer to to bourbon. Now I'll do some beers more more than most anything else uh, since being here i've kind of enjoyed some of the wine that they have here and hell i've mm. even gone with some white claws you know so i guess i'm mellowing out completely 
<laughs> but I like the Guinness. It's it's not it's not bad. Well, good. Sounds like you're like you have a a well well rounded palate there. Well, there was one beer that's gone now that I used to drink a lot of. Uh, you guys heard of Shock Top? Yeah, yeah. Well, they had a, and it's been gone a couple years. But one fall they came out. This is probably five six years ago. They came out with a honey wheat apple crisp. A it beer? was oh, really yeah it was really good I, I mean i was i was buying those by the cases <laughs> but they, i don't know why maybe i was the only one that liked it but they quit make they, they just discontinued it so oh well well i think it's shock top who makes the the salted pretzel beer oh, it, oh i think it's shock top i'm i might be mistaken it might be something else but the Belgian white is the big one that they sell, but they've got some different varieties. Yeah. Well, whoever makes the salted pretzel, it's incredible. Really? Um, I, yeah, I don't have that. any right now, but if especially if you like pretzels, man, it's yeah, it's it's outstanding. I love, I love yeah. pretzels. Yeah, I'll have to find out. I'm almost sure it's Shock Top. Um, but yeah, I don't I have any. I'm gonna hunt for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. I which there's there are a lot of them, but it, it's yeah. definitely right out there. <laughs> you're a so beer guys, kind of cooler. Well, I I like I like uh, I like craft beers, and I like uh, I like a variety, and I you know um, yeah I I do I like uh, I like a lot of different ones actually. So tonight I'm drinking a beer that my my future son-in-law brought over because he bought some of these and he brought this over and he said you try this i tried it and i didn't like it so so i'm giving this a go this is the maker is jolly pumpkin artisan ales and it's not a pumpkin beer it's uh i don't even know how you say the name of this it's a hurricane wild fruit saison and it's a blood orange ginger Okay, and it's funny because I like blood orange, but man, they they shouldn't have put the ginger in it. <laughs> Would have been good without the ginger, I think, because it it kind of clashes with the blood orange. So, um, it's you know I'm drinking it. It's not something I would uh, recommend or you know pick up myself again. <laughs> so he was pretty much dead on. He's like, this is kind of weird, and I agree with him. So. It's unusual for me to not kind of give a thumbs up to a beer on the podcast, but I've been kind of waiting for the right time to try this. And I thought, eh, what the heck, let's get this out of the fridge tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll be gone. And we'll have to think about it again. So, (laughs) so, so Chris, this is the time of the show when we let our guests talk about their Browns journey, uh, fandom. So, I'm going to turn everything over to you and just uh, let you talk about, um, you know, your your history as a Browns fan, how that's developed, and anything you want to share with us. All right. Well, I go back a ways. So what I remember first about getting into the Cleveland Browns, um, it's probably about 12, and my dad would have the TV on, and those were the days of the three channels. And he'd be watching the Browns, and I'd hear a, a lot, a lot of profanity. 
to the to the point where he would. I mean, I hate to even say this, but I mean, it's just one of my memories. He would be, why don't three or four of them guys just break his leg? <laughs> Talking about one of the opponents that would be running running over us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just remember when I was a kid, we every, every every Browns game, my dad would have it on, and we'd be in there like. You know, I was really too young to, to watch the games. You know, we'd watch a little bit of it, but uh, that's really how I got I got introduced to it. Um, I we lived about 15 miles southeast of Cleveland in uh, Northfield, where the racetrack is, and you know, it was just it just seemed to be the Browns just seemed to be like like you know that's that's when they were just coming off really being being a championship teams you know like 10 years later and it was just they were they were the thing you know so got into them um i actually got into horse racing uh like i said there was a track the track was just up the street and i got working with horses when i was a kid still in high school and i got hooked on horse racing and uh after i got married we moved to Detroit like in the early 70s. And from that point on, I was just so involved with horse racing and training and, and owning horses and racing. Uh, we moved to Detroit and then we moved to New Jersey uh, when they built the Meadowlands, which was a big track out there. And so I just kind of lost lost track of even following football. I missed uh, the cardiac kids, Ritiglano. <laughs> Missed all that until we we came home, uh, like in the early '80s. So, but the thing that the game that I remember the most, um, I was a huge Gary Danielson fan, uh, you know. And then Bernie came in, and uh, you know, was was kind of mentoring him. But uh, mm-hmm. I went to I went to the opener in '85 at the old stadium. We were playing the St. Louis Cardinals, and one of the best games I ever saw, you know, I, I, I was, uh, me and my buddy were stuck behind some, a pole. Uh, but then when it got later in the game, you know, we'd sneak down to the better seats. Um, but it was a great game back and forth. Neil Lomax. I don't know if you remember that guy, but he was the quarterback yeah. For, yeah. for the Cardinals. He wasn't bad, but back and mm-hmm. forth. And then we were down big. We were down by like, at least 15 points, I'd say, going into the fourth quarter. And Danielson got him coming. You know, he, he was rallying them back and uh, scored a touchdown, scored another touchdown. And then, like, probably a minute and a half left in the game, and it started pouring so hard you couldn't even see. And Danielson hit uh, Ozzie Newsom in the left corner of the end zone to tie it up. So it, it was just like the, the the heavens poured down, you know, and so they tied the game after trailing badly throughout. Uh, but then it, in true Browns fashion, it went to overtime and uh, St. Louis kicked a field goal to win it in overtime. <laughs> so, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you know, it? just yeah. that, that's the way it, it ended. But, um, you know, when when we moved back in in the in the '80s, I, I really I got right back into it. I mean, when I was a kid, I would I would go. Well, I wasn't a kid then, but you know, we we would go to. There was a little park up there uh, by the old stadium, 
Um, I never got to the new stadium because because we moved and and I just never got got to go to the new stadium. But there was like a little park up there by the old stadium. I think it was like it was up above, but everybody would go there and scalp tickets, buy tickets. And, you know, we had always be going there and buying tickets and then trying to get better ones. And then we mostly just snuck down to the better seats, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I was always, I was all, when I got back, I really got in, in the following the team. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, you'd have people say, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd have horses at, at uh, Thistledown and I'd have people always making fun of me because I was a Browns fan. But to me, you know, if you're a fan, you're a fan, especially when you grow up with them, you know, you, you can't switch teams. You gotta, even if it never happens, you gotta, you gotta stay loyal. That's, that's just always been my own. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Amen. with you there. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I was going to ask. Didn't uh, didn't did uh, I was trying to remember where Gary Danielson played before he came to Cleveland? Was was he in Detroit before that? I believe he... in, yeah, I believe he's yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. Okay, so I yeah, I wondered if that was part of your fandom. Would you be in? Would you live in a Detroit? Um, oh no, no 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 no! Like I said, I wasn't even following. I, I got lost. I wasn't you even watching NFL games for like ten years. You know, I just totally out of it then. Uh, I mean, I was just so busy, you know, we, we'd, we'd get up, at, you know, we'd get up and, and be at the barn at 530 in the morning and then sometimes, you know, racing at night, you know, it's just like, man, it, 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 oh, geez, yeah, just a lot of work. So I just, you know, if, if it, I was in Cleveland, I wouldn't have got away from him, but I just got away from it being away from home, I guess, more than anything. So. Well, Gary Danielson was a very likable quarterback. I mean, I, you know, I, I liked him too. You know, I, um, or there was just something about him, um, uh, his personality. So yeah, yeah. He was, uh, um, just somebody you wanted to have on your team and just that kind of guy. So yeah. And you look into him now when he does the college broadcast. I mean, I'm not in the college ball that much. I'll watch a little bit of Ohio state, but, um, He's just interesting to listen to, you know, on, on the radio, you know, when he does, uh, whenever you hear him being interviewed, man, he's, he's just a, he's a classy guy. Yeah, he is. Definitely. Well, thanks for sharing that, Chris. And we're going to move on to some Browns news. And I guess the big news of the day is the, is the firing of Mike Prefer as Brown special team coach. Um, Jeff, let's bring you in on this. And, um, I mean, it, it seems like it, this was uh, due to a special set of circumstances that he was fired at this point. So um, so let, let's let's just uh, let's get your thoughts. We we talked a week or two ago about, um, you know, did we did we think the Browns were going to make more moves on the staff? And um, I really didn't think that Prefer was on the hot seat at that point. Um, I'm not sure that I'm a fan of you know, in, where the Browns are at right now and, and bring in a young up and coming special teams coordinator. Uh, I understand where they want to go with this. Um, talk about the individuals next, but um, I don't know. I just, I thought 
I've explained in the past, I thought Prefer was in a tough spot with, you know, not really having guys who specialized in special teams on the mm-hmm. roster. We had a lot of young draft picks and stuff. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I felt like he was going to be that, that constant there. Um, and probably I thought that was a good idea. Um, but I guess things change in the league and, and depending on, you know, who's available and where you think you want to go with things. Um, you know, coaches are the most expendable guys, right? Um, when you're not getting great performance out of your special team. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I hope this, this change is a change for the better, not for the worse. Um, Chris, what, uh, what were your thoughts on this uh, when, you, when you heard the news today? Well... I mean, I listen to Grossi every morning when he when he does his thing on uh, KNR, and he kind of thought that that the whole thing boiled down to Ventrone's availability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I thought I, I was shocked because I didn't think Creeper was going anywhere either. I thought he was safe too, um, yeah. but then I think when I think Ventrone is the guy they, they they want, obviously, it sounds like. But his thoughts were, had he not become available, then, then they'd have kept Prefer. So, but then I see where they're also uh, requested, they, they asked to interview uh, Anthony Blevins from the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then I guess that, I guess they got the Rooney rule with coordinators now, according to him. That's that's what he said. So maybe maybe Blevins is just the Rooney rule part. I don't know, but I'll be honest with you. I don't even me- remember Bubba Ventro. He played for us, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be honest. I I yeah. don't either. Um, there you well, go. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I said he was a special teams ace for the Browns for a number of years. Um, he was here for, I, for four seasons, Rod. He was yeah, here I, from 2009 to 2012. He's supposed to be pretty damn good. Well, he, I, you he's, know, he's highly one, thought he was, of, yeah. He was a hitter. Um, he was known in college as a, as a, a hard hitter. Um, he had sort of that kamikaze mentality on special teams. Um didn't really play on defense. Um, he was, you know, he came out of college as a safety, undrafted. Um, you know, you're you're excused if you don't really remember him from his special teams time here. I think the the his his best season was probably 2012 when he he might have had about 250 snaps on special teams. Okay. Um, so. You know, he was here for a while and, and and one of those guys who was a professional special teams player, like I said, that we really don't have on our roster at this point. And, you know, maybe that's what they're going for. They want to, you know, bring more guys in like him and hope that that kamikaze mentality rubs off on some of these guys who really don't seem to want to play on special teams very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like he's done a great job in, you know, with the Colts. Uh, yeah, it sounds like yeah. they're yeah. you know going to be hurting you know if they lose him. So, um, right, still a young guy. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you can you can hope it's an improvement. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot to 
complain about with Mike Prefer, but you know, you can complain about any coach. You know, right. I don't his his tenure was definitely not all bad with the Browns. Right. Well, and, and I guess uh Ventrone's first year he was an assistant with Belichick. That's where he started. Just the one right. year I get it. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. He was he was originally signed by the Patriots and um, got his first first coaching opportunity under Belichick. Um, so, you know, he, he's got that pedigree and, and he's got some success with the Colts. But, I mean, he's not exactly, you know, a veteran special teams coordinator. He's he's really young and, and um, you know, an up and coming guy um, that, you know, if we were in a different situation as an organization, I'd say, man, this is kind of what we do. You know, we give, we give young guys opportunities here, you know, uh, same yeah. goes for Anthony Blevins, you know, kind of guy you'd love to give an opportunity to, but man, we're in a win now situation. You know, I, I yeah. think, I think we need experienced coaches. So um, I hope Ventron's experience is enough. I agree. I with you, but even, even Anthony Blevins has been, He's been a special teams coach for a lot of seasons, too, you know, in a couple yeah, of different I mean, organizations. So I, I don't know if it's as big a stretch on either of these guys as as what you might be thinking, Jeff. Um, well, they've, they've yeah, they're experienced guys. But again, I mean, they're young guys, you know. No, yeah, um, you're right. You're right. That's all I mean by that is that that, you know, you, you brought Schwartz in for a reason. Right, because this organization didn't respect the coaching staff. Our, our players didn't respect the coaching staff. Um, I hope that they put guys on the roster that that want to play special teams. You know, the the, the days of of Tay Davis and and some of the other guys who you know that's all they did. Right, um, they were they were sort of journeyman special teams players, but they were they excelled at what, what was asked of them. Mm-hmm. Um, is that that's the difference in our roster, you know, because like I said, we, we've, we've kept every draft pick that, that, that Andrew Barry's ever taken and, and yeah. they're sitting there trying to be developed when you're asking them to play special teams. And that's really not what they want to do. You know? So, um, you got to have guys like that on the backside of your roster. And, and I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a little surprised that, that they feel like that, you know, we're going to be better when there's, I think, a 50-50 chance that we could be worse on special teams. Well, uh, we'll see. I, I think I, my prediction is that everybody's going to be thrilled, you know, with with a hire of uh, Bubba Ventron. Um, well, I think everybody's you know, thrilled what, with the firing of Prefer. Well, <laughs> they, yeah, they really yeah you're right. right. People are it's always addition by fired. This is Cleveland. I mean, people love to see <laughs> right. this fired. Uh, well, right. and we always thing, think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Were you saying something? Go ahead, Jeff? Chris. Go ahead, Chris. I, I think that one thing that that I, I think it might have been just getting a little stale with with Mike. Uh, the one thing about Ventrone is he's a high-energy dude, man. I mean, he's like he's like jumping up and down, running up the sidelines. You know, maybe they think that 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 this guy, and I mean, I, he's been a special teams coach now for what, like five years, I think? Yeah, I think in that area, yeah. So maybe they just think that, 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 that... 
Yeah, I, I think that maybe they're thinking they just need to inject some 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 energy into these guys. I don't know. Special right. special teams isn't easy, you know. You need to to get these right. guys motivated, you know. I think maybe they just finally, you know, like like Grossi was saying, he thinks that they would have stuck with uh, uh, with Prefer had had uh, Ventrone not become available. Now, if they don't get Ventrone, I mean, isn't he still under contract? He I, is. I thought, yeah. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. So um, it just yeah. trans. I'm not sure how he, that works. I think he's yeah. the front runner because of all those things. Um, I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that that's you know, who they end up hiring. Um, right. But, um, yeah, I, and I, I agree with all those reasons, Chris, that, you know, we, we need we need somebody to motivate these players and so forth. But, um I don't know. It, it feels like one of those gratuitous things that the Browns have always done where, you know, the, the fan base feels like our head coach is, you know, too calm and too businesslike and we need a football guy and a high energy guy and all those things that the fan base always asks for. Right. And then those guys come in and, and the players still suck. And the next thing we need is a different guy, you know, and, and I don't know. I, I, I've seen this happen too many times to get too excited about the next guy coming in, um, yeah. and and you know thinking that that's going to guarantee success. Um, yeah. I hope it does, but it probably won't. Yeah, it's fair to be skeptical. That's for sure. Well, and I I agree, and you know, and he might be able to come in and get guys fired up and teach guys a little bit about playing special teams. Is he more likely than Mike Prefer? to get our kicker straightened out and eh, probably not <laughs> yeah really yeah. really um you know or or to help our punter if he's going through a slump probably not um yeah. you know we'll see we'll see yeah. so yeah the um, fact is Kay york is still going to be a second year player yeah yeah and, that, and no that's going to be part of his job and you know who knows what this guy what uh, either of these guys you know how much they know right. about kicking yeah. um, you know that's true so, um, so yeah, we'll see, but, uh, but they're trying something. So, mm-hmm. um, which the sure. Browns like to do, right. So we'll see how it works out. So, okay. um, Jim, Jim Schwartz is also, uh, bringing in a new safeties coach. Um, the Browns, I believe lost their safeties coach to somebody else. Um, can't, uh, I saw his name. I'll be honest. I didn't even recognize it. So. Um, Ephraim Banda was the uh, defensive coordinator for Utah State, so kind of cool to bring in a a, uh, a college DC as your safeties coach. You feel like you're kind of getting somebody that's probably qualified to work with the safeties. So uh, yeah. seems to be a good hire, uh, quality person yeah. to come in and work there. So a nice addition to the staff. Um, Career college coach. Um, my my only question is, um, you know, right now he's coaching Grant Delpit, and who else? Yeah, well, they got a yeah one-on-one, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> what's that student-teacher uh, ratio right there? <laughs> right. Yeah, your 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 ratio is one to one right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got to get that position straightened out. Jeez, oh man. Yep. They do. Yes. Yes. Um, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit uh, later on here. Um, Browns uh, also uh, looks like 
are uh, going to lose uh, um, Israel Wolfolk, um, mm -hmm. who is a coaching fellow, and uh, Bill Willis coaching fellow, um, who who was working with the linebackers, I guess, previously. So uh, Drew Drew Petzig, who went to Arizona um, to be the offensive coordinator, um, is bringing Israel Wolfolk, apparently, or is supposed to uh, to be the new quarterbacks coach was, which is a pretty good, uh, bump for, bump for him mm -hmm. for his first true NFL job. Um, right. Pretty nice deal there. So, um, I, I guess I, I'm going to say, you know, that that's good guys are, you know, guys look at, look at the Brown staff as being respectable, but I mean, this is all relationship based. This isn't Arizona saying, Hey, we want somebody from Cleveland because of their organization you know it's all very much relationship based i would say so um you know we, we are losing some people because they want specific guys and what they've done you know from time to time but some of what's happening now really isn't because of that would yeah. you say yeah um that you know that goes back to joe uh joe woods going uh new orleans um who's that coach there dennis allen dennis dennis allen and joe woods are thick as thieves man i mean i read something yeah. somewhere where uh woods wouldn't even be running the defense that much it's going to be allen he's just going to be his his yes man you know as, as coordinator mm -hmm. that's fire. Mm -hmm. so you're right i mean it's relationships no doubt yeah yeah well it's that's not only true in football uh, but yeah, you're seeing it exhibited in football right now, definitely. So, uh, so before we get into anything else, uh, Chris, you had you had yeah. some uh, some things you wanted to talk about. You're bringing a topic which which we encourage, especially in the off season. So, uh, so let's uh, let's let you uh, let's let you. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to cherry pick here because. If, if you're gonna, if you if you want me to to really say my piece, that's gonna take another hour. So. Oh well, <laughs> we might not want to go quite that long. Let me just cherry pick here a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, I wanted to talk about this alignment thing. I mean, when Haslam, you know, Haslam, his, his I like Haslam as an owner. I mean, ha, the Haslams. I'm glad we got. After Art Modell and Learners, I, I was happier than hell that, that, that the Haslam's bought the team, you know. And I don't fault Haslam because of, of all the success we haven't seen yet. You know, his, his biggest problem has been impatience. He wanted a championship right now, you know. It just, it just doesn't work that way, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if he could have paid for a championship, I think he'd have got the job done, you know. But, um when they find when he went through all the coaches and everything, and and they got to this alignment situation with uh, uh, with deep, he kept Deep Podesta, and uh, Deep Podesta wanted uh, Stefanski, but then um, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dorsey. Dorsey, yeah, Dorsey. You know he didn't want it. You know, so I mean, they got they finally got their alignment thing in 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 place so i mean i was excited about that we all were especially after the first year but it just makes you wonder you know i we know that 
that De Podesta is analytics. He, he's he's that's his thing. Um, but are they just overkilling everything with it? You know, because you know, I mean, Andrew Barry's done a decent job drafting. He hasn't really done. I'd say it's it's a C. You know, more than anything. But the thing is, is it just makes you wonder, you know, do they got to have young guys? I mean, like they're – hang on one second. I get, get this ball away from my dog. <laughs> I thought the clown car was there or something, Jeff. <laughs> right. Is that the clown car? That's a metaphor for the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> clown cars. <laughs> yeah, she's not happy being the center of attention, or you know, unless she's the center of attention. So she went and found a ball she hasn't played with in three weeks, you know. So <laughs> there you go. So anyway. She's female. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, he's done a decent job drafting. But, I mean, on, on the other hand, it seems like, and, and if they're all in alignment, you know, have they all decided that, you know, to keep all the draft picks and, uh, you know, let veterans like Sheldon Richardson go and you know, not bring in middle of the road as far as age veterans, which you gotta have, you know, to have a, have a successful team. You know, is it ever gonna work? You know, it, it just it sometimes it just makes you wonder. You know, and then, you know, I, I mean, I was really enthralled with with Kevin Stefanski. I thought we finally got a, a really good football coach. But I mean, he's with each year, he he makes me more skeptical. You know? I mean, it's just like. He just seems so consumed with p- calling plays that important parts of the game get away from it, you know? I mean, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, they called their plays. Do you ever see them holding a menu, you know, covering their heads with a menu? No, they're watching the game, you know, they're managing the game. You know, I mean, we don't, you know, they say halftime adjustments are overrated. I don't think so. Look what Reid did in the Super Bowl. You know, it's just like, you know, time management is important. I think he's lacked there. Um, it just, you know, and then when we, it just makes me think that the Jets game, the Saints game, and then the big game that really pissed me off was a chance to knock Pittsburgh off and get them out of the playoffs. Those games to me were just like, they just had me so underwhelmed with, with his coaching. You know? So I don't know. It's just, and then, and then this, this, Entire season of 2022, I mean, I happen to be a big Baker Mayfield fan. So I guess maybe at the end there, I was in the minority. But, you know, we finally got a quarterback that could win some games and wanted to be here more than anything. And then he's coming off of a shoulder injury where it seemed like Stefanski was putting more pressure on him when he was hurt than, you know, just by calling running plays and making it easier on him. It seemed like he put more off, more. Often than not, he would put the game on his shoulders, you know, so it just, so, I mean, when they got Watson, I, I was just, it was just apathy for me. The whole season was like, I just, this the first, this was the first time I went into a season feeling like, you know, I, I just wasn't that excited, you know, with, with what happened. You know? So, well, I don't the, yeah, the, I mean, the suspension and all that stuff and, and just, uh, I know that the trade was very, um, you know, something that divided a lot of the fans. So, so yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from with last season. It was it was very hard to to get behind it and to 
to know what was going to happen as soon as you thought what was going to happen then you know then you're waiting on the suspension to come down and not knowing what was going to you know um what was going to come about but then but then you saw the the play of Jacoby Brissett and you're like man you know this guy's stepping up and all of a sudden you have some guys really playing well um you know and then you had some tough losses um it, it was a challenging season it, it, you know it was really challenging but you know i i think it uh once that suspension came down i think it was kind of uh it was going to happen that way i think it was regardless so um yeah but then once you think you're out they drag you back in because we still had a, a shot at the end of the season you know i mean that that's how did. they get you. You know, if we would have just been out of it when he came back, I'd have been fine with it. But we still had a shot, you know. And yeah. then, yeah. And then, you know, that New Orleans game was a killer, man. It was a killer. It was tough. There were some really hard games to watch. Yeah, but but we're Browns fans. We're used to that, right, Jeff? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so you know what, Ron? I think this being the slow season and everything, and and in light of you know the preferred firing and. A lot of people are saying now that, you know, Stefanski's on the hot seat and he's got to win right away or they're going to fire him halfway through the season and everything. Um, maybe this is the right time to do a little bit deeper dive on our head coach and talk about what the fans really expect in their head coach. Because if the bar is Andy Reid, okay, I mean, there's only one Andy Reid. And he's not coming here. Okay, yeah. so if if he's, if yeah, we're he's, saying he's staying put or retiring, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're saying that that you know what we're what we're expecting is to find the next Andy Reid, um, maybe maybe we're we're putting a little bit too high expectation on what a coach is going to be able to do for this organization. Okay, number one, looking at the history of this organization and and how many coaches we've had and and how many different angles we've tried to you know to, to get this thing going down the winning path okay is getting the right head coach the ultimate piece in that puzzle okay or or is it or is it a whole group of things that keep going wrong okay are we are we, are we Missing the boat by not having the right guy leading the ship. Makes a metaphor. Or are we <laughs> or, or are we just not all rowing in the same direction? You know, because it, it seems like over the course of time we keep having these these situations crop up where player A and player B are going in different directions. And, and we haven't been able to, to figure out how to get everybody going in, in one direction. Is that a lack of leadership? Is that a lack, lack of experience? Uh, because what we end up with here is guys in their first go around, typically. I mean, Schwartz yeah. is the exception to that. Okay. But, but typically, you know, a head coach in Cleveland is, is getting his first head coach gig. And this goes way back. Right. Mm -hmm. um, a, 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 you know, everybody throughout the organization seems like, you know, this, this is their first gig nine, nine times out of 10. Right. So yeah. 
where, where's the appropriate place to set expectations for our head coach? Well, let, let me just throw this in because you were talking about how much depends on the coach. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me throw a couple of names at you just based on what's happened recently. Okay. And, and just think about these two guys. Okay. Um, one is Doug Peterson, mm-hmm. and the other is Zach Taylor, okay? Yeah. And think of your opinions of those two guys, okay? To me, D- Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, and yeah. he goes down and, and, and he gets the, uh, the, um, the Jags into the playoffs. Now, now, they signed some free agents and stuff, and, you know, they didn't give him a total crap team. But, but he got them into the playoffs. Okay, to me, there's that's probably a lot of Doug Peterson happening in Jacksonville. Okay, in Cincinnati, Zach Taylor was he was about ready to get canned before Joe Burrow started playing well. Okay, but now you've got Joe Burrow, who's thought of as a top three or whatever quarterback in the league, playing well, and and you've got wide receivers and you got a defense that, that's probably playing over its head and you know and, and a and a good you know a good young kicker and stuff. How good is Zach Taylor? Does anybody really know? Yeah. You know? I think you I think you just uh, answered Jeff's question. <laughs> no, it's it, it's not just the coaching. You you gotta have have the personnel. You gotta have the players too. You know, I mean let's face it, Joe Burrow He's the only reason that the Cincinnati Bengals have come as far as yeah. they have in the last couple of years. Yeah, so it can be the coach. It can be the coach, like in, in Jacksonville. The coach can accelerate things, but a, a coach who isn't great can still get there with great personnel. But that's yeah. kind of my thought. Yeah. That's true. So is, is Doug Peterson really that great a coach, or is he just an enzyme? You know what I mean by that? Um, you bring in a new guy and I get a bump of enthusiasm and, you know, based on his experience and so forth, because they ran him out of Philadelphia seasons above 500. Okay. So, yeah, he, he made it to a Super Bowl and he made it to the playoffs three times, right? But um, he's as expendable as everybody else, you know? Um, yeah. Hell, even Andy Reid can get fired in this league. Well, sure. Um, sure. If he doesn't perform, right? So, yeah, we're, we're we're very critical of our head coaches because they don't win, you know, and and, and that's really what fixes everything, you know. Yeah. If Doug Peterson goes to Jacksonville and wins, now he's a genius again, right? And everybody forgets what happened in Philadelphia. You now, so, well, I, I don't and, know if, if it's fair to put that much criticism on on coaches. Um, in a league, you know, in a professional sport where you've got multimillionaires out there deciding whether they want to, you know, give maximum effort on this player or not based on, you know, what their contract status is. Okay. We're, it's not like we're coaching high school baseball, you know, where, you, you know, or, or, or young kids trying to, you know, can teach them fundamentals and, and convince them to play hard on every play. You know, that's that's not where we are with professional football. Right. 
and you have to you have to look at basic math okay there are 32 teams in this league okay how many teams have a winning record each year okay in general there's going to be about 16 teams with a winning record each year does that mean 16 head coaches did not do a good job (laughs) right i'm serious you know i think people think if you have a losing record you just did not coach well okay stuff happens in this league okay there are injuries or there are you know um Games where, you know, where a blown call, you know, decides something, um, you know, to where you end up one game under 500. Should that cost a guy his job? I mean, can can every head coach in this league be expected to win every season? I mean, you got to think, how realistic is that? Yeah. Yeah, I think your uh, your best head coaches, they make the most right decisions at the most critical times. I mean, you know, like so many games boil down to one or two critical decisions. And right. mm-hmm. it's just my opinion that that had Doug Peterson been our coach this year, we'd, we'd have went to the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Because one thing about Peterson, he's a, he's a quarterback guy, man. I mean, he knows – you know, I mean, that's why they wanted him in Jacksonville so bad to get uh, sunshine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But sunshine. I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I know that dude. Every time I see him, I think, cut your hair already. Damn it, you're an adult. You know? <laughs> and he, he, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Anyways, no, but yeah. I, to me, it's just, it's just at the most critical times. It seems like, like Kevin makes the wrong decision, you know, and I know he's young, but sometimes you just got to go with just, you know, the sound most, I don't know. I I don't know. He just really, sometimes I guess to me, it's just, he's not really managing the game the way he could. He's, he's a brilliantly intelligent guy, you know, but he's so wrapped up in that, in calling the plays. It's like, if he calls the right plays, we're going to score enough points where we're going to win no matter what. You know, you got to manage the entire game, you know, and I just, I don't, I just think he would be so much of a, he could be a, a really good coach if he just concentrated on being the head coach. That, that's just my opinion. So, I, you know, Rob, Go ahead, Jeff. covered this a few weeks ago uh, from the angle of uh, wins over expected. I think we did a few metrics about, you know, yeah. Things that coaches had an influence over, right? Like, uh, do they go for it on fourth down? Do they, you know, go for two versus one? Those kinds of things, right? Yeah, uses um, of time. So I'm, I'm just looking at like another that. ranking, right? And in that one, I think Kevin Stefanski fell somewhere near the top ten, right? He was in, in the top of, 10. You know, I think he was like his decision making. Yeah, yeah, his his decision making, you know being more right than wrong in those kinds of situations, right? Um, I'm just, I just looked up another one here. Uh, Pro Football Network has a, an article, uh, top top NFL coaches of 2022. And of course, Andy Reid's number one. Uh, Bill Belichick's number two. I mean, the guys that you expect are, you know, up at the top, right? Um, Mike Vrabel and Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, as you get down to the sort of the middle of the pack, um, you know, um, 
Mike McDaniel's 12. Doug Peterson is 13. Okay. Zach Taylor is 14. And guess who number 15 is? Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. Okay. And what's the so what's his baseline? Right in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of the pack with those other two guys that we just talked about, Zach Taylor and Doug Peterson, right? In terms of whatever, you know, whatever, you know, metrics they're using, or if it's just their eyeball test or whatever. Okay. But they're obviously factoring in wins and losses and, you know, roster depth and probably a lot of different things. Right. But, um, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of guys down near the bottom that we wouldn't trade Kevin Stefanski for. And like you said, there's only 32 of these jobs. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So you know, long story short, I think you know, I think at some point we as an organization need to get away from the mentality that you know the next guy through the door is going to be better. Uh, that's the point I'm trying to make with the special teams coordinator. You know, it's 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 fine to 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 make a trade, but you know, trades don't always lead to something better. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski needs time to develop you know this if you're if you're going to have consistency if you're going to be patient if you're going to tell jimmy Haslam, be patient okay well who's he going to be patient with okay he's got to be patient with the people leading this football team who are generally considered to be high quality people are they going to make tons of mistakes of course everybody does and especially young guys who are in their first gig are going to make mistakes and they're hopefully going to get better over time Right now, if we, you know, if we regress and you see these guys just, you know, not producing, obviously that, you know, all bets are off. Right. But if we're consistently, uh, you know, a competitive organization, we're close in games, our coaches are are being attracted to other teams. um, You know, our our roster is generally considered to be pretty good. Our our drafts are, are, you know, in the upper half of the league most of the time. Um, you kind of think you have a pretty decent organization, finally, that's worth investing in, right? Versus, you know, just going back to the revolving door. Yeah, true. And to, and to uh, Haslam's credit, he's actually doing what you're saying. He's showing some patience now. But, you know, he, he, yeah. something could happen this year. This, this, this is definitely a, a make or break year, I think, don't you? Well, yeah, I think I think we have to see. I th- I think the record has to be better. Yeah, I think you know obviously it's going to be Watson's first full season, you know, back as a starter. So you're hoping that there's not going to be the rust um, that we saw, well, that, you know, at the end of the last season. Honestly, that to me, that's who's who it's a make or break make or break year for. Watson. Okay, I mean it's a make or break year for Deshaun Watson. He's the highest paid player in the league. He's got to play like it. Not oh, yeah, like he, he, he needs to look a lot year. better. He needs to look a lot better yeah. than he did. The no, other yes, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying, you know, that that in game one, he's he's got to be all pro. OK, but I'm saying that that this season, he's got to prove that he's worth that money. He that, needs that to, he he needs to look like himself. Yeah, he needs to look like himself by week right? three, four, five. Yeah. Yeah, he really does. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm saying if you take his whole body of work for 2023 and you look at it and you say, okay, um, he's a top five quarterback again, right? Now he deserves that paycheck, right? But if he's right. not, if he's a, a bottom 20 quarterback, 
by the end of this season. Okay, now you got a real problem with this. Oh, team. Wow. oh my God! Right. And, so from that yeah. standpoint, yeah, it's a make or break year for him. Okay. And you bought it. Uh, didn't didn't weren't you guys underwhelmed by you know you could you, we realized he he had to come back from all that time off but after game four you know you're thinking right we got it and we did see flashes but overall yeah. he was underwhelming you know and then I read I read an article by Jason Lock and Fora that I can't remember the details of the article but his thoughts were he's never going to be the quarterback he was in Houston and if that happens man we are we're we're in deep trouble you know he's still well, he's still a young guy I, so I don't yeah, really buy yeah. that um right. I, yeah, th- I, I think he'd get I back my, I laughed I laughed when I saw the article but then at the end of the season I was thinking geez I hope he's not right you know because right. he's still only 26 or 27 isn't he yeah that's like that, that to me is 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 worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if 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 K York bombs in his second year and doesn't get better and and you know, we have to go out and find another kicker, okay? It's not the end of the world because we can always find a kicker on the waiver wire who's going right. to be decent. Okay? Right. That's just how kickers work. Okay? Mm-hmm. But when you've invested this much money in the leader of your organization over the next five years, and you're still questioning whether he's going to be able to perform at that level. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give him the off season. I'm going to give him a new offense next year. Um, I'm going to give him some more weapons. Um, I'm going to give him plenty of time next year to get back to that level, knowing everything he's gone through. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if at the end of the season, he's not cutting the mustard, it's not Kevin Stefanski I'm firing, okay? And this organization is going to be in real doo-doo to go and find another quarterback knowing that they're locked in to paying Deshaun Watson millions of dollars. They better okay. find some young guy on a rookie deal who can really play. Yeah. They need to draft a guy like San Francisco drafted. <laughs> you know? Well, if we could, yeah, if we could pull <laughs> that Brock, off. Brock that'd Purdy. Be, yeah, that'd they be need, great, they, yeah. And maybe they can trade for Brock Purdy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If we could, <laughs> if we could find the next Brock Purdy, that, that would be the first oh, time in my career as a Browns fan. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all unlikely. I think Deshaun Watson is going to bounce back, and you know, I, I think he'll play well. And I think the Browns are going to to add pieces to to help him. Um, you know, I, I don't think they need a lot. You know, I, I think they'll uh, I think they'll fortify at wide receiver, and you know, and maybe maybe bring in another tight end, and you know, and I think that's yep. going to be enough. You know, another wide receiver, uh, maybe maybe two. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I don't it think they need be. a ton of pieces. Yeah, it has to be because we're just not in a position to go out and sign guys who are going to make more than 10 million a year. We're going to have to fill the fill that void between, you know, five million and eight million that we have, you know, about three guys on our roster making um, with some yeah. guys who are experienced that, that can turn this into a winning organization um, without actually, you know, going out and spending money on guys that are proven, you know, all pros in this league. We, we just don't have that cap flexibility or roster flexibility. Um, so it, Deshaun Watson absolutely has to perform and all those extra pieces have to fit together. And if they don't, 
again, I, I, I'm not blaming the coach for that. Well, yeah. let's let's talk cap just for a minute. I don't want to run, run a ton of numbers around here or anything, but I just wanted to talk about something I saw today, and I, I'm not sure when this article came out. I think um, um, Jack Duffin put out an article. Um, you can find find him at it's at Jack Duffin. So um, he has it he has it pinned on his uh, on his Twitter, and it's essentially showing how the Browns can can create um, 90, 93 million in in cap Whoa. space. Okay. So they can do this. Um, there, there's, um, they will have with the new cap amount and with rollover, they'll be sitting at 14 million. Um, they can cut JJ three to free up uh, 9.75 million. And then Jack has figured that they can re- do restructures for, uh, for Watson, Garrett, um, Teller, and Petonio, um, which would free up, um, Watson would free up almost 36 million. Garrett would free up almost 13 million. Teller, 9 million. And Betonio, about 8 million. Um, so those numbers all together comes out to, comes out somewhere around 93 million. Is, uh, hmm. um, yeah. Is is what his he has all the details in his article, and so I'm not going to try right. to explain it all. Right. I want to give him all the credit for it, but um, uh, um, you know, I, I looked at that, and then I was looking at the Browns, uh, at the Browns cap numbers, and um, Amari Cooper's set to make 20 million the next two seasons, and, you know, and they restructured him before last season in order to get the uh, um, to get the Watson deal done. They they mm-hmm. knocked his his base pay down to next to nothing and move you know added some void years and moved some some cap over the next four seasons and this and um, I I messaged Jack and asked him if they could do anything with Amari Cooper and he said oh they probably just need to ride that out so that's that's probably the one big contract that they can't do anything with right now is, is his and I mean Nick Chubb makes some money he's I think he's at like twelve million for a cap hit, but it's Nick Chubb, you know. Come on, I mean, yeah. You know, other yeah. than that, you know, if they could restructure these, any even a few of these other contracts, they can free up some cap space, so yeah. they can, they can, they can actually make some free agent moves. Um, I I wouldn't expect them to to uh, to get to this full ninety three point eight million. Yeah. But, you know, just think what they could do if they could, you know, get to 50, 60, 70 million. In yeah. cap so here's here's the question I have, Rod. OK, and, and look, Jack, Jack Duffin's a lot smarter than me and knows a lot more about how salary caps work and stuff. Um, but if I'm Deshaun Watson. Why would I restructure? If I'm the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, I, I want to push that money out right so that um i have more flexibility and can win and maybe you know maybe you can make a case from deshaun watson's standpoint that yeah he's going to be a nice team player and you know take some of his money later so that the team can bring more pieces in to help him win right but why would i do that i mean he's he's got all this money guaranteed um He's coming off not playing for two years and looking absolutely horrible last year. 
is that the time yeah. to sit down and talk about mm. your next contract? Well, um, yeah, I, I think you have to think about from his standpoint, who does he want to throw the football to? <laughs> you know, do you want to have a chance to throw the football to somebody like DeAndre Hopkins? You know, yeah, or, but let's a, let's be like realistic. You know, I'm just well, saying. Going, yeah, I, I get all that. I mean, but but our our priorities in, in free agency aren't to go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins. Our priority is to, to bring in a defensive tackle. Oh, I does, know. Does that I know, excite but, Deshaun Watson? Well, the, I, I'm just saying DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't have to be him. It can be. It can be a. There are plenty of other good wide receivers that don't carry the price tag of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, especially you know, and he's getting up there. So, um, you know, he would be a nice piece, but. There are a ton of other wide receivers they can bring in for for less money, you know, but still yeah. pay some money too. That would be a great target for him. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that. and still I, allow them money to sign a deep defensive tackle. I just don't think our problems are on offense. And I, I think, you know, him having a couple more targets is fine, right? But our problems are on defense. We we need players on the defensive side of the ball. And how do you sell that to your quarterback? Tell him, hey, you know, if if you can restructure your contract, we can sign a defensive tackle, and you'll, you know, you'll only need to score twenty one points a game versus forty two. <laughs> <laughs> quarterbacks, yeah, quarterbacks. So what sound? I'm saying is, is they're stat driven. Okay, quarterbacks are stat driven. Their their goal is to put as many points on the board as possible, throw for as many yards as possible. You know, all these things that that pay them throughout the course of their career. Okay. I don't know how you sell Deshaun Watson on the fact that, you know, we're going to have a top five defense. I don't, I don't think he cares. But Jeff, don't you think, I mean, you, you saw Deshaun Watson, how, how he has bought into the, he's, he's bought in lock, stock and barrel to the Cleveland Browns. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, I think so. he felt I, you know, I guess if somebody gave me $250 million guaranteed, I'd buy in too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it's genuine. And what I'm saying is he so. felt terrible about the way the season ended. I think the dude is ready. He, he would be ready to, to work, you know, to, to work with the, with the, I don't know. I, I, I think he would, he'd be, he'd be on board with, you know, okay. bringing in some better players, even if they were defense. Well, I, I hope I hope you're right because um, he is the single biggest piece of the money that's committed, right? So yeah. you can you can get some flexibility by by extending or or you know restructuring those other guys, but it's not mm-hmm. going to be a huge number, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, what kind of number can you realistically massage from Wyatt Teller, yeah. right? Yeah. A couple yeah. million Nine bucks, million. maybe, right? Nine million. Yeah, that's what Jack has. Nine million. Okay. Okay. Um, over how many years? This year? He says this year. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So you're going to take Wyatt Teller from a 12-5 base and and a and a uh, cap number of 15 down to a cap number of six. That's how- I'm going by his numbers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he okay. understands it much better than any of the rest of us. So I'm sure, throw sure, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Let let's let's see how many of those they're able to pull off. Giddy out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, yeah, none of it's a, a done deal, obviously. So it's it's going to be depending on who's 
who's willing to play ball and you know and how, yeah. how committed these guys are to to trying to help the browns you know get some other guys in and yeah again that's know? nothing against jack okay but if this was a winning organization and and guys were you know on board with you know let's let's go win a super bowl this year um i think man maybe maybe we could pull that off but um I'll just say what I said before again about guys making business decisions on every play um, and half of them looking like they don't want to be here a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Well, you like to think that Joel Batonio wouldn't have a problem with it. You you like to think that Miles Garrett is, is bought into the Browns, but you, you know, how, how do you know? Um, yeah. Same with Wyatt Teller and, and you know, it's still very early to, to know for sure about Deshaun Watson, you know, I mean, he, he's only played a handful of games, so it's yeah. it, it'll be interesting to watch to see what they're what they're able to do. But yep, you know, any money that they're able to free up, just think if they're able to free up, you know, um, twenty million and, and sign one of these defensive tackles, what kind of difference that would make for the team? You know, yep, um, it, it would be huge. And the, I think the the off season is going to benefit Watson more than anybody on this team because he was playing so nervous and so under so much pressure to be the guy in six games, you know, that he he was he was a mess, man. I mean, he he wasn't he was, the quarterback. Yeah, he, he was, was very very tentative. Is kind of how I saw him out there. He he wasn't playing. You know, loose. he wasn't playing loose and just kind of, you know, kind of the way he played, you know, in Houston was exactly. just kind of playing his game, letting things happen. It's like he was trying to think everything through, which you just can't do. You can't do that at football speed, uh, especially after being off for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, he's so yeah. playing like everything was on his back. And if he didn't, you know, and if, we saw how nervous he was in that preseason game. <laughs> I mean, he was as nervous as nervous could be then. And then oh, I that think was hard to watch. That was oh so hard God. to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens when you're not playing loose, you know. And yeah. I just don't think he ever really was 100% comfortable, you know, even through the last game. You know, it's just I, I think the off season's going to do him a world if he can come back and relax. And be, you know, 80% of the guy was in Houston. That should be good, you know, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, guys, I want to just throw a few numbers at it and see what you think is realistic for this season. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say um, Nick Chubb is 199 yards behind Mike Pruitt. So what what game do you expect him to to pass Mike Pruitt in? Game number two or game number three? What do you think, Chris? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or another it's game? It's a schedule out yet? <laughs> no, it's not out till what? Um, May. May, you know, May so we don't know who yeah. they play yet. I I don't know. I would think. I would think with with Watson coming in, I I, I would say three games. I wouldn't say two. I mean, you would think it should be two, but I think it'll be three. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? I think they're going to go easy, you know, with the running. Yeah, it'll, it'll, if if everything goes right, it'll be the third or fourth game. Yeah, yeah. could even be the fourth. That's right. 
He needs yeah. 934 yards to pass Leroy Kelly and move oh. into second place behind the great Jim Brown. So mm-hmm. when do you guys think that might happen? I'll go game ten. By game ten, he's gonna game he's 10. gonna yeah, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be rolling after game four or five. And I think that uh you know, if if Watson is throwing the ball the way we want him to throw the ball, then when they go to Nick Chubb, man, it's it's gonna be like a double edged sword there, you know. I, I he's gonna that, see some daylight. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think yeah. so. What do you think? Yeah, though? I think I think we'll know in week three or four what week he's going to get to 900 because yeah. we'll see how this offense is going to function. That's true. You know, in the That's fall. a good point. Um, yeah. If, if, if the offense is, is working the way it's supposed to, and you're utilizing Nick Chubb the way you're supposed to, he's getting all those yards in the third and fourth quarter because we've got a big lead yeah, and they're true. easy yards. Right. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, if, if the offense is working like that after three or four weeks, um, I think it's probably safe to say that by week eight or nine, he could get there. You know, if, if it's not, then it could be, you know, week 14 or 15. You know, yeah. so yeah. Um, we're not writing any of this down, but um, no. know, he's, it's, it's a safe bet that he's going to do both this season. Yeah. It's just a question I mean, of, of when, and it's not up, really not up right. to him. Yeah, yeah that's okay. a good point. That's a good point because if he's getting his yards in, in the last second half of the game, like you said, I mean the defense is worn down. Then it it could be nice, he but is. everything's got to click. Everything's yeah. got to click. He is brutal in that fourth quarter on defenses. So okay, he's so he's such an amazing player, man. Yeah, that yeah. that's the one thing that I I thank John Dorsey for the most was Nick Chubb. Oh my gosh, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of things to thank for him too. I think you know. Yeah. He, so, guys, I've been waiting, um, and I love I love Brian Sipe. Okay, everybody loved Brian Sipe. Okay, but he Ooh. set these Brian Sipe. He set these. He set these passing <laughs> records. You missed that part. Yeah, <laughs> you said it right. Yeah, before your time. I, I have heard of him though. Yeah. <laughs> he set these passing records in 1980 when he set the MVP. Uh, 4,132 yards passing and 30 touchdown passes. Is this the season that one or both of those records fall? So, Jeff, let's get your thoughts first. Well, Jacoby was on pace to to almost break it last year. Right? The, the yardage um, record, yeah. The yardage, yeah. the yardage not, record, Not the right? touchdowns, so, but the yardage, yeah. yeah. So I think it's probably a safe bet that that yardage record is going to fall in the next couple seasons if if Deshaun Watson is right. Um, the the touchdown one, I'm not so sure of. I don't know that we have the receiving core to do that, and probably won't, uh, because so much of our game is going to be predicated on backs and quarterbacks scoring touchdowns. So I think that record's probably going to be safe for a little while. Chris, what do you think? What'd you say, 4,001 for the yardage? 4,132. 132. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that getting broken. I think, I think Watson will, has a great shot of doing that this year, you know, especially if they can, they can just get a receiver – 
like right in the middle of people's Jones and, and Amari, if they get a guy just like right in between those two guys, I mean, he's going to, I think he should, he he should break that. 30 is a tough number though. What, what did, uh, what did Mayfield have in his rookie year? Uh, Mayfield was like at um, twenty-three for um, Baker threw for uh, Baker hit like twenty-eight or twenty-nine one season. I mean, he was he he was in the upper twenties one season. Yeah, Um, he came he came close because he was on target to tie or break that record, and he came close. Yeah, the one with Manning and uh, who was who was the other one? Well, he. Yeah, he set he set the rookie record at I can't remember if it was 28, 27, 28, 29. So he was right in that area. Um and just so you guys know, last season, um yeah, G- Geno Smith threw for 4,282 yards last year. And I'm wow. not he had a great season. Okay. Jo- and Josh yeah. Allen threw for 4,283. Okay. So um so yeah, but that's all. That's all Josh Allen threw for. That that doesn't feel right. That, that sounds low to me for for what. No, he, it does. It does. It does seem very low. Yeah. But Smith, yeah, Geno had a hell of a year. There's no doubt. He did. He did. Yeah. You know, I was laughing because, um, you know, I thought that Seattle was going to pick up Baker, and when I when uh, uh, Pete says no, nah, we're sticking with Geno, I says, "Are you nuts?" <laughs> Show us what I know. <laughs> I mean, he. Yeah. There was. I watched them two or three games, and I went, "Holy cow, man! This dude is—he's like resurrected. You know, I, not resurrected. He was never that good. He, yeah. I, I was just mind boggled. Here he had. Yeah, guys, I'm kind of surprised there were only four quarterbacks who had 30 touchdown passes last season. That's um, Mahomes had 41, Josh Allen had 35, Burrow had 35, and Geno Smith had 30. Um, those seem those seem like very low numbers to me of touchdown passes. Um, it feels like in 17 games, I would think more guys would be putting up 30. So, so Jeff, you might be um, you might be a lot more correct than I thought you were when you first said that about the 30 being the tough number to get to. And I'll be honest, I thought I thought 30. You know, I, I thought at first I'm thinking, well, if he doesn't throw 30, 35, I'm going to be disappointed, but. Those those don't seem to be easy numbers to get to right now, so I guess we'll see what For happens. Th- yep. I passed the record with thirty. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and it, that that record's been around for forty two forty two years. Um, wow, hard to amazing. believe. That just wants to show you how much the Browns used to run the ball, even when they were, you know, of course, Sipe. We he was. I mean, all they did was throw the ball in, in the cardiac kit, right? Didn't they? I mean, they were they well, a pass they had some, they had some good running backs too, but yeah, they've uh, yeah. you know Mike Pruitt was running the ball then, and 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 and, uh, and that along with some other guys, but um, but yeah, they like to throw. So um, one more one more question, then we're going to close things out, guys. Um, do you think any of the receiving records could fall this season? Um, the the uh, number of catches, and that's that that number is eighty nine, and that's held by Ozzie Newsom and Kellen Winslow Jr. Um, eighty nine uh, 
Chris, do you think that number has a chance to to be broken this season? Oh man, that's a lot. What what did what did Cooper have this year? You know, I think he was in the mid seventies, I believe. Oh, he was. Well, I tell you what, he had a nice season. Well, him he did, and him and Watson were clicking. They looked to be like they were coming on, you know, right when the season was was ending. So yeah, I think, man, that dude he is a stud, man. Amari Cooper. I mean, that's the best thing that Andrew Berry's ever done, as far as I'm concerned. Really good. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I think that I think he's got a shot at that. Yeah, I would say he has a shot. Jeff, what do you think? Well, if they don't bring in receiver 1A, um, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. That's a good point. But they do spread the ball around a lot. Um, so, you know, one guy having that much usage in, in Stefanski's system is not ideal. Good point. Good point. Yeah, it would be surprising. Um I'll mention the yardage record, but nobody's breaking this for a long time. That's Josh Gordon with 1,646. That's just not going to happen. Um, do you guys feel like there's a chance that the touchdown reception record gets broken at 16? Oh, wow. I think Amari Cooper, what did he have last season, Jeff? Somewhere around nine, didn't he? Something like that. Yeah. Eight, nine yeah. Or 10. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he had a nice season, and a lot of those were from Jacoby. So, um, you know, so right. I don't think that record's completely out of reach, but it, it would be a lot. going to be tough. going to be yeah. tough. Yeah, again, just going back to realistic expectations for the offense, um, I don't think it's going to come out of the gate, you know, clicking like mm-hmm. everybody wants it to. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to set them back a little bit. Um, you know, if again, if we're into year two or three, with these guys and things are really working the way they're supposed to. Yeah. They can start challenging those kinds of records, yeah. but I, I, this season, I don't think that's even possible. Well, yeah, I don't think you go into a season looking at breaking a record, like any of these, I think you go right. out there and play and you see what happens. And sometimes it, like yeah. you say, it's the composition of the team. It's maybe they don't bring that wide receiver in. Maybe they do work on, adding to the defense this season. So maybe Amari Cooper ends up with a chance to break a couple of these records this season because maybe oh. next season they do bring in 1A, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. It's fun to watch. Yeah. It's fun to talk about. So. And, you know, Kevin Spansky, if he was into breaking records, Nick Chubb would have been the rushing leader easy. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. That's very true. <laughs> and Nick, Nick would Nick would take the ball 40 times a game if he was able. Oh, so. yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But I still like what they do with Nick because I wanted to be around for a long time and um, hoping that happens. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, while, while I'm thinking, before you go, what the, you guys, I, I really like Jerome Ford. I think that he's, I mean, obviously, Kareem's going to be gone. Um, Jerome Ford, man, he looks, he looks like he's got a lot of potential. He sure as hell yep. is a good kick returner, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm excited to see him get his share of touches this season. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a special player too. So, um, yeah, nice guy to have back there. I mean, 
yeah, I, I, I'm obviously a Kareem fan, but um, but yeah, Jerome Ford's a guy who makes the make is going to make that transition a little bit easier of, of uh, seeing Kareem go. So so yeah, it was uh, it, it was sort of a head scratching draft choice, right? But it was um, yeah. You know, I couldn't on, believe it. I said, what the, the hell room, is he doing, man? Yeah. Right, and, and and now you know now here we are looking at him next year being our number two. Yeah. And that just goes to show why Andrew Barry's making the picks and not us. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And we'll think the same thing this year with the draft. Really? Oh, yeah. Took, what the he hell? Took a, what? Why <laughs> yeah, did he pick that guy? He took a corner? That's the last thing we need. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a hell of a pick, man. Oh, Emerson my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. All right, well, let's get some closing thoughts. Chris, everybody can follow you at BrownsFreak51 if they're not already following you. So they, they well, I lost half of my, my followers because I'm into politics and there's a lot of people don't like me no more. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it is what it is, you know. Um, yeah, well, hopefully you talk a little bit of Browns here and there, too. So. Oh, I do. Well, hey, yeah. that's, hey if, you, if you look at my Sunday feed, it's all Browns. So, excellent, know. excellent. So, uh, my, closing, my closing thoughts are, and I'll ask you guys this, whenever I have to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens because I'm hoping that whoever, whoever they're playing kicks the hell out of them, that's the only reason I'm watching them. <laughs> it's, it seems like their guys tackle like we've never tackled. You know? and, and it seems like our guys always, you know, I thought with these smart guys we had coming in coaching and running the team that our penalties would go down like 50%. Nah, not only do they, do they keep having them, they have them at the worst times. So yep. – is it coaching? Is it players? I'm thinking it's both, but is there one more than the other? Because Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they've always tackled well. You know, it doesn't matter. And the, the penalties thing is just discipline. So you'd think that that's coaching. But then again, if you bring in a player that's always been undisciplined or can't be taught not to be disciplined, you know, it's just – it just boggles my mind, you know, that we can't get better in those two areas. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think both, I mean, the coaches have to bear the responsibility ultimately is kind of what it comes down to, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's tackling or penalties. Yeah. You can complain about both and you can put blame on officials and players, but it should be up to the coaches to, to minimize both of those, you know, to minimize tackling errors and minimize penalties. I agree. What can you say? So, Jeff, um, closing words for us tonight? Yeah, the difference between us and those two organizations that Chris just mentioned, those are winning organizations with <laughs> continuity in the front office and the coaching staff and yeah. systems that have been in place on offense, defense, and special teams for more than a decade. Yeah, we've yeah. never done that yep. ever. There's that word continuity. You just said continuity. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't repeat something that you've never figured out how to do. That's true. Yeah. So, 
expecting the Browns to, to suddenly figure out how to do those kinds of things when they've never been accomplished in the past um, is, is why we keep seeing these hard resets. And ultimately, it gets back to fan expectation. And, you know, the more optimism we have going into the season, the more jerseys sell, the more season tickets sell. And the, the best way to juice that is by making constant changes. Um, the sooner we accept that we have a mediocre football team and that they're starting to get better. Yeah. The better yeah. our odds are that we will eventually get to a pretty good football team. And I'd take okay. that. Great point. Great point. You're right. A hundred percent. Absolutely. You got You got to crawl before you walk. You know, I mean, it's just like, and, and we've never had time to do either. Right. So, I mean, you're right. right. Get us, get us a shot at the playoffs and let's go from there. We don't, we, we don't really need to be thinking about winning the Super Bowl right now. You know, if it happens, great. But, um, but yeah, let's get us, get, you know, get our team a shot at the playoffs and, and, Give us a uh, shooter's chance at, at that point. So, Amen. Right. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time.